Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn about the latest hardware product development industry trends for design for manufacturing from a 30-year industry veteran who builds leading CAD software tools and has worked with many hardware product companies. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Sponsored by PTC's two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And produced by Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to bring back Brian Thompson to the show. Brian is the head of Creo CAD software at PTC. He spent the first 16 years of his career doing CAD design engineering for hundreds of products, many of which are still in production today. Then the last 14 years building CAD software solutions to allow designers to make better hardware products. Today, Brian is gonna share some valuable knowledge for inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on what the leading trends are right now for design for manufacturing so that products can be designed, engineered, prototyped, and manufactured faster, more efficiently, and better quality. Now, on to the episode. Hi, Brian, welcome to the show. It's great to be here again with you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Well, excited to talk to you again. I know you guys were busy. You just wrapped up LiveWorks, which was a huge success, major conference. I think you had over 5,000 attendees. Yeah, we did. And yeah. it was just a big deal. Talk a bit about that, and then we'll jump into your background. We estimate we had close to 10,000 total attendees and uh, over 5,000 of them live and in wow. person here in Boston at the Convention Center. Very, very exciting. Customers got, frankly, a fire hose of updated strategy <laughs> and market trends and so forth. And I know we're going to talk about some of those here today together. That's great. Uh, before we get into the trends that are happening, especially around additive and tools for developing great innovative products more efficiently and more effectively, just give us a bit of a background. How did you get to where you are today? So I manage PTC's Creo CAD business, but I come from an engineering background. So I've been at PTC only 14 years. And I say only because <laughs> most folks that are in a role like mine at PTC have been at PTC over 20 years, but I came from industry. So I spent the first 16 years of my career in industry as a mechanical engineer. I have a mechanical engineering degree and a computer science degree, just loved technical product management and came to PTC as a technical guy that wanted to do more business stuff in product management and grew up as a product manager here at PTC. So that's who I am. I've been doing this job now for seven and a half years. Oh, amazing. Great to hear. And obviously a tremendous amount of experience working at all levels of product development from startups all the way through to Fortune 500 product firms. So you get to really see what's happening, especially with LiveWorks. There's a ton of great events and great speakers. I've seen all kinds of great information coming out of there. Lots of little nuggets. It's great to hear from you about what some of these real leading edge trends are that are happening right now, mid-2023 and what you see going forward. Let's talk a bit about those. What's happening yeah. in the hardware product development world right now? By the way, I failed to mention that the smallest company I worked for had about a million bucks in revenue. Biggest company I worked for before PTC had about 5 billion in revenue. So you're right. I have sort of expanded the gamut. In any case, trend. So first thing that's really, really interesting is there is a lot of new technology coming into the fold of engineering and design processes that customers are really interested in adopting. But what we've seen from a trend point of view is whether that technology is sort of new simulation technology or that technology is, say, I don't know, augmented reality technology, or maybe that technology is designed for additive manufacturing technology or something like that. Regardless of what it is, what we're finding is customers are very, very interested in adopting it right there as part of their core product development process. So there's a lot of interest in new technology, but customers don't seem to be willing to sacrifice design process efficiency in order to adopt it. 
And that's actually going to be an interesting trend throughout our whole conversation today. So great news for product developers is that there is like a reinvestment and a reinvigoration of technology for the entire ecosystem product development, whether you're at a small company that's just a startup or even a big enterprise company. These new technologies that are coming into the forefront here, particularly like in additive as a great example, they're being used by small companies, big companies, medium-sized companies, and there's just a ton of activity investment there. But customers are less and less willing to sacrifice design process efficiency to take advantage of them, which which I find really fascinating and, and I think good for the whole ecosystem. It's nice to see uh, that you mentioned there that people are picking up things more than ever. And I mean, there's a huge emergence of AI and chat GPT and all of this sort of stuff yeah. where people you know, outside of the design world all over the place are seeing major advantages and assistance via new technology. So a lot of folks, especially in the design world, are keeping their ear to the ground and understanding that these technologies can have real benefit. Us as a yeah. design firm, we are required to be leading edge. We always have to be trying and testing new technologies to give the best results to a whole variety of clients, especially in the hardware startup space as they're trying to be very competitive, make the best product, but also be doing it efficiently and also doing things at a very high quality without having big budgets and short timeframes. So that's startup product development. So it's forced us to always be on the edge of new design trends. But that's not historically the case in traditional industrial design, especially at big corporate design. A lot of it comes down to original training, original processes. Sometimes it's software that's 15 years old. This Mm -hmm. sort of stuff that really isn't applicable to modern day development really it hurts the product at the end of the day because you're missing out on some of these amazing benefits. So it's really interesting that you're seeing that more and more traditional development is starting to come up to pace with new, innovative, progressive technologies across the board. So let's talk a bit about those technologies. What are those technologies and what are you seeing really make improvements to how to get a product to manufacturing faster than ever before? That insight's really important, Kevin. And I think it boils down to the competitive dynamic in the markets today. Like customers can't afford a quality issue with their product when they first go out the door. They can't afford to not be innovative with their product because the competition is strong in all the markets that discrete manufacturers serve. And so they're looking to get more efficient. They're looking to be more agile, more innovative. And frankly, they want to work as efficiently and effectively as possible, regardless of whether they have 5,000 engineers working at the company or five, they want to. And so oftentimes this boils down to being a lot more focused on the core design model that the design engineer is delivering as part of the product development process. And so there are a lot of model-based terms in the industry, because as you implied at a large company, they're gonna have like a well-defined process and an understanding of what it means to be model-based. And it turns out that this is driving a lot of interesting dynamics that are really relevant even for an audience that has small companies that only have one or two or three engineers, right? But starting at the high level, at the industry level, a couple terms that are really, really important. One is model-based enterprise. Or maybe I should start with model-based definition. It's more fundamental. There's actually an ASME Y14.47 definition of this. The big industrial companies have gotten together and said, we should have a standard. But really, all it means is that you have a model that doesn't require a 2D drawing so that everything that is there that is required to manufacture that model according to its requirements are there effectively in the model. That's all that model-based definition means. You don't need to create a derivative 2D artifact to be able to deliver that part or assembly to its specifications. Everything is embodied in the model. That's basically the layman's definition of model-based definition, but there's an ASME, as I said, 1447 definition of it out there. Then 
expanding that concept out broadly to the entire enterprise. The model-based definition is really just talking about delivering an artifact, whereas model-based enterprise is now speaking about an organization that relies on model-based definition for purposes of commissioning, operating, servicing, everything about delivering a product to the market and even out in services. So those are two really important definitions that ground us. And it can get really, really geeky with process and everything. But the fundamental thing that's interesting, I think, for this audience is that we're now talking about the core artifact that the design engineer creates as part of his or her or their job. And that is the CAD model and delivering everything in that model so that the rest of the organization, whether it's your manufacturing partner or your the manufacturing floor you're at or the manufacturing company you're using around the world, delivering everything in that CAD model they can use effectively. And that is a huge time saver for customers, big and small. And I think we're here to talk more about what that means actually in the core product development process. Yeah, that's so powerful. And for non-technical listeners out there that are looking at what this means, really the core is your development CAD model. What you're designing should be fully encompassed all the way through to and including manufacturing. And this isn't just manufacturing. This is also the rendering and the visualizations for your marketing materials, all the different types of manufacturing, the prototyping and engineering that goes into that, the digital simulations that are occurring as well as the physical simulations. This is essentially one suite, one tool, one model, which encompasses all of the different elements and really the core to all of this. It all comes down to manufacturing. At the end of the day, if you're designing a product, the most important thing to do for any hardware startup is designed for manufacturing. If you're coming up with just ideas and visualizations, that's fine. But that's not really true design for manufacturing. That's just kind of vetting out early stage ideation. But if you really want to level up as you're ideating and developing the product to also be considering the manufacturability, that just creates tremendous efficiencies throughout the channel. And not just efficiencies, but product improvements as well. You're pulling all the different stakeholders to the development of a product essentially into one package, one platform, one set of tools, one model, as you refer to it in that very specific definition, all encompassing so that every stakeholder can weigh into one design and not have to worry about all these different various shifts from different data points or different software or different tools or other stakeholders or whatever else that causes a lot of mess, both directly and indirectly in the development process. So the more that you can centralize, the easier it's going to be to get that idea all the way through to and including production and even improving production and all the things that come with post-production as well. Agreed. I mean, let's face it, Kevin, design is an iterative process. You're not going to get it right the first time. But if you're doing it right, as you said, preparing for manufacturing needs to be part of the development process so you can optimize the design for whatever manufacturing process you're targeting. Of course, you're going to run maybe structural, thermal, modal, CFD simulations on that design. But because design is an iterative process, if you're working on all of those things with the core CAD model and evolving the core CAD model as you go through, staying committed to that, the rate at which you'll be able to do iterations is incredibly fast. Whereas if you leave the core CAD environment to use a separate simulation tool, a separate, say, NC tool bath development tool, maybe a separate tool for designing your injection molds, boy, it can get disjointed very fast. And all the time and energy you spend, what I call context switching between your core design environment and those other tools is just wasted time. Whereas if you can stay committed to the core CAD model, stay committed to a model-based approach, you can iterate very, very quickly and 
get to market with something that's frankly even more innovative and as you pointed out, ready for manufacture at the scale you need it to be manufactured at. Oh, that's great advice. And it's not just time too. It's every time you contact switch in these places, errors can result. Oh, absolutely. these little micro errors point. that you don't foresee that happen in data shifts or in that's stakeholder shifts or whatever the shift is as you shift context around, whether it's between different software pieces or whether it's between different stakeholders or whether it's between different versions of models and you've misfired on that. A lot of these indirect or unforeseen errors can start to bubble up. And especially if you do this all the way from the beginning, that causes real problems. So one of the things that we advocate at Maco Design, all we do is design for manufacturing. So we work with primarily startups that are looking to develop products that they're going to produce. So obviously you have to ideate, but as part of the ideation, build it in the actual software, build the actual yeah. CAD model that you intend to tweak and refine and iterate more and more and more as you go through engineering and prototyping into prototyping into short run production from short run production to full scale production. Use the same CAD model just in more detail. Now in the beginning, as you're doing concept, you don't need to focus on all the tiny little micro details of manufacturing, but you should have reasonably strong manufacturing logic built into it from the beginning. And of course, surrounded by a CAD model that can support that all the way through to and including manufacturing itself. Yeah, it's good advice. I totally agree. And it's been a huge trend that we've seen in our customer base, large and small, is this recommitment to doing everything in the core native CAD design because competitive dynamics, cost dynamics, manufacturability dynamics, innovation, all of those things can be improved by staying committed to that core CAD model throughout the entire development process. I think it's a great trend and I'm happy to see the market sort of re-leaning into those kinds of opportunities. Well, talk a bit about Creo too, because Creo is doing some amazingly advanced stuff within tying all the different pieces, especially into the CAD model. So just give a bit of an explanation of what's happening now in 2023 with some really advanced tools here around the Creo yeah, platform. I appreciate the opportunity. And, and it comes down to responding to what we're seeing happening in this incredible market shift to go back towards model-based. We started down the path of delivering world-class simulation in Creo, and we partnered with Ansys four years ago. And that suite of, of simulation tools has really, really grown incredibly well to the point where we're now shipping native inside Creo, both linear and non-linear ANSYS solvers with Creo. So design engineers can do everything from large deformation, plastic deformation for like snap fits to simple structural analysis, but all using the flagship ANSYS solvers right there in Creo. That's just one example. But I would say more than anything, adding new technologies like ANSYS-based simulation, like incredible lattice tools for design for manufacturing. We put some crazy lattice tools. I don't know if you've heard this too. They're called oxetic lattices. They're lattices that actually have a reverse Poisson's ratio. So the sides go in when you push down. And that's really cool for like energy absorption use cases. So we see these being used in like helmets. In fact, we had a company on our floor at Liveworks showing off a helmet design that used some lattices inside Creo for energy absorption. Wild, wild stuff. Yeah, it's crazy what customers are doing with the technology. And they I love, love, love the fact that the design engineers don't have to context switch to get access to this technology. They're right there as part of the design tool, thinking about manufacturability, thinking about modeling the performance using simulation technologies, and also preparing the design for, say, injection molding using mold tools inside Creo and so forth, where we've also invested. I think more than anything, though, what we've seen is customers being excited 
that we're committed to making sure they don't have to do this context switching to get their job done. And they're reinvestigating things like just simple like machining toolpath capabilities in Creo. And like it blows people's minds the type of five axis stuff we can now do inside Creo and have it completely associated with linked to the design. It's really, really wild. And so we're excited to see where customers are going to take it over the next several years. I find this is so valuable, especially for emerging startups or even just any brands that are trying to relatively quickly get a new concept actually into production to the market, especially yeah. with additive manufacturing. Yeah. So instead of spending years coming up with what they think is going to be the absolute holy grail of a product, they look at starting with an MVP or starting with their core innovation or core offering, getting that to market very quickly. Well, what the software allows you to do is right from concept all the way through to engineering and prototyping and testing, gets you to short run additive manufacturing extremely fast. So you can get a small sample of units out there, either paid or free or whatever to a sample customer base, and then start getting real feedback to be able to iterate that exact same CAD model so that when you're ready to commit the big bucks to say full tooling for larger mm -hmm. production run, you're doing it based on feedback of real customers with the actual product in their hands. So when you put yeah. all these things in one software package, you go all the way from that idea moment through to short run into full-scale manufacturing, essentially de-risking every element of the path. And overall, in terms of the whole project, you know, you're almost ensuring the success of the product because now not only is it your own theories and all the various internal stakeholder theories that go into the ideation and the vision of that short production run, but now you've got real customers giving you the feedback in terms of how that product is really going to nail success in the marketplace. Yeah, it's so true. And I hadn't thought about it in this way, but you made a really important point there that in a CAD package where you can prepare design to be additively manufactured, to be machined, then to be cast or then to be molded or whatever, all in the same CAD package, all associated with the core CAD design, very, very powerful as you scale a new design into production. So I'm really glad you made that point. It's something that we should think more about in talking about the capabilities of Creo, frankly. Well, there's so it. much to it. And that's the power when you have everything under one roof, when it's a complete end-to-end yeah. -end solution, you have essentially an unlimited amount of abilities to be able to very efficiently and effectively get those new innovations, those new ideas, even the changes, the updates, the feedback, yeah. all of that sort of stuff just rapidly. And that I think is the core to something you mentioned, you've highlighted a couple of times in today's episode is competition. You yeah. want to get to market quickly, efficiently, but never sacrificing quality of the product. Yep. You want good yep. quality hardware. You mentioned that too. The market is unforgiving when it comes to That's quality, right. maybe That's not right. necessarily features. We don't need all the bells and whistles. That can be determined by the customers for the the next release or whatever else, yep. but you can't sacrifice quality. You've got to build the quality into it from day one and then get to the market, learn their feedback, and then continue making a better and better product to scale your brand, whether it's a startup or whether it's a new innovation for a Fortune 500 product company. All of the advice here is really uh, cross-platform. Totally agree. Great summary. Brian, much appreciated for you being on the show today. For anyone who wants to learn more about PTC, Creo, Onshape, all the great packages that you guys offer, where can they learn more? Just go to ptc.com. You'll learn all about it. As always, I'll put the links in the show notes below. So anybody who wants to just click through to any of those software packages, click through, take a look. I know there's a number of options as well for free trials or very yep. reduced rate trials, especially yep. if you're a student and you're trying to get into the space. Oh, absolutely. Lots of options there. These guys are really yep. supportive of all that. We've seen this over the years. So Thanks as well for PTC for being such a supporter of students and yeah, especially startups and emerging companies. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to do it. Looking forward to getting more and more engagement here. Thanks, Brian. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. Take care then. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a quick five-star review. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. That's podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Macko, North America's leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Huge thanks to our sponsors, PTC, and their two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo, and Macco Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Thanks for joining and see you next time.